What's good, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am coming to you from Oakland, California on Wednesday, September 12, 2018. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy and co-host, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's up, man? No Rutgers this week. No Rutgers this week. We've we've killed Rutgers, and they're dead, and we get to talk about a real football team now. <laughs> Before we get into that, um, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Hangout in the Holy Land. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts if you search Hangout in the Holy Land and follow the site at LandGrant33 and follow the show at Holy Land Pod. Um, on that note, on the last episode, I said that I wanted to talk about <laughs> Apple Podcasts and a certain story from our past. Patrick, do you remember the guy that gave us the one-star review about us being sanctimonious at yes. the Big Ten Championship game? Yes, yeah. All right, I, I swear... This ties this ties into everything because was it Gary Patterson? Maybe maybe <laughs> it doesn't. So I went and like checked the podcast stuff the other day and like straight up honesty, I almost never check like Oh yeah, no, I've literally never looked at it. <laughs> and honestly, like I kind of don't care. Like our numbers are what they are. It seems like we're picking up steam just people talking about us, people adding you and me. So that's good. I hope people like the show and if you go on to our Apple Podcast page and leave a review, whether it's five stars, two stars, whatever, like we're, we're good with it. Just leave us honest feedback. But looking back at this review, I, I just want to put the comment back out there and just hear what you think in regards to recent Ohio State news. So it starts off with, I'm not saying that you guys can't be critical of Ohio State, but you literally just spent the last hour calling the team subpar and the coaches abusive hmm. you guys border on pure sanctimony and frankly i think the team and the coaching staff have a better track record than you are portraying i'm not sure how that can ever rub buckeye nation the right way maybe you're just having a bad night i'm currently looking up the um i know that there's a newspaper in florida that had a running record of the players that were arrested under urban meyer um <laughs> eight months later after the review boy do i have some news for you buddy <laughs> <laughs> yeah boy uh <laughs> i think it was the orlando centennial or sentinel I, I don't i don't remember what the paper is called i think it's the sentinel um that, that kept a running record of um 31 off the field arrests involving 25 of urban meyer's players dating to the summer of 2005 during his time at florida um so if anyone was ever wondering why we were a little bit quick to to think hey maybe urban meyer might be doing something wrong sometime um it's because he's done many things wrong <laughs> i well i just like ohio state's players have been pretty pretty good for yeah, the most part yeah just what, i, I don't i don't think heard. that the players are really at fault here <laughs> but it was it was funny not funny but just the the phrase of you would say that Ohio State coaches are abusive. Like, ugh, that hasn't aged well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But if you want to leave a review, you can for sure. I've noticed a couple people have left star ratings. So we thank you for that. Even if it's not like five star or four star, we're not going to pressure you guys into leaving us a five star review. But if you like the show, let it be known. Tell us. Send us a tweet at Holy Land Pod. You can send me a tweet at Dubsco and get in touch with Patrick at Patrick underscore. Mayhorn. With that out of the way, let's uh let's 
get this thing back on track before we inevitably lose it again and talk about Ohio State's Week 3 matchup versus TCU. I So I went back and watched TCU's game against SMU this past week, and I was like, all right, ready for some strong takeaways from this game. Let's see how TCU looks. But they played in, like, the greatest rainstorm of all time, and there was literally nothing that I could take away tangibly from that game. Yeah, it was um, – I, I think I watched, like, the uh... – the first half of it, I had gone to um, a high school football game that night, and there's a story up about that game on LandGrantHollyLand.com if you um, if you want to see that. It's about uh, Chris Scott, Pickerington North wide receiver. Um, but I went to the high school football game expecting that it would be going on during the TCU game so I wouldn't have to watch the TCU game. <laughs> um, and when I got home, the TCU game was just starting because it had been delayed for two hours. Um, so I kind of begrudgingly had it on a second screen while I, I think I was working on something. And every time I looked over, it it was like the field was wetter and <laughs> Sean Robinson was losing grip of the ball more than he had on the play before. And SMU was continuously not having an offense, which really doesn't make any sense given the fact that that's like their whole thing is that they're good at offense, but their offense seems to stink. Um so it it really was an ugly game, and there really wasn't a ton that I think you can take from it because it was just so bad and barely resembling football. Wanting to play offense and not having an offensive identity is a wild strategy. Sonny Dyke rocks. He's such a good coach. He's so normal. <laughs> but there was, like, in this game, there was at least, like, five fumbles. TCU fumbled into the end zone and recovered it for a touchdown. They scored on a punt return touchdown. They scored on a fumble return touchdown. There was just sloppy tackling. It was just a mess. So I, I don't know how much we can take away from their 42-12 to 12 win over SMU. But I, I guess the best place to lead up to that in, into what this game is, is we know what Ohio State is bringing to the table. What can TCU do to beat Ohio State in this game? Um, well, the, the main thing about TCU that I think most Buckeye fans know about, either from watching them recently or from you know remembering what TCU was as a G5 power when they were in the Mountain West, is that uh, Gary Patterson's a very, very good defensive coach. He's, he's very smart. He game plans extremely well. TCU's defense is generally very good, and I think that that's the case again this year. I know that they have a really good... Um, starting defensive line. They, they have a couple of stars up front and on that defense as a whole. Um, so I, I think that the main thing that TCU is kind of hoping that they can bank on is that their defense will be able to keep it close. And then offensively, guys like Kevante Turpin and quarterback Sean Robinson will be able to make a couple big plays to keep it close late in the game. And then maybe they can win with a, a, a later drive or a big play with uh, just a couple minutes left to go, and then their defense will hold. So I, I'm expecting kind of a, a bend-don't-break style from them because I really don't think that they can keep up in a shootout. Yeah, that feels like it's TCU's easiest path for a win, and you brought up Kevontae Turpin, one of the more dangerous punt returners in the country, had that punt return touchdown last week, also almost broke another one last week and had a long receiving touchdown in that game so it feels like this is one where if TCU gets to halftime and they're only down seven or tied or leading that's that's the easiest path for them to win because it's hard to see them matching up along the lines especially their offensive line against Ohio State's defensive line 
Yeah, for sure. They're, I think that their offensive line is going to have a really tough game. Um, it's not particularly good. I saw some Buckeye fans on Twitter say that it's worse than Oregon State and Rutgers lines, which it isn't. Um, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, not at it, all. it's not. Um, but TCU, their main approach is probably going to be what their main approach against teams like Oklahoma is. Um, and they didn't have a lot of success against Oklahoma last year. I think they lost both games that they played against them. Um, <clears throat> but TCU is never going to be the, the kind of Big 12 offensive powerhouse that a team like Oklahoma is, but they face them a lot. They, they face a lot of really high-powered offenses. I think no matter what you think about the Big 12, um, the, the general concept that most college football fans have of the Big 12 is that they score a lot of points, and TCU is pretty much the best at stopping those, those offenses when it comes to Big 12 teams. They've, they've become very good at it, and they've become very hard to beat because of their defense. Um, they, don't, they don't really give up a lot of big plays. They force a lot of mistakes. Um, they're, just, they're very, very smart. They're very well coached. Um, and I'm guessing that that will be their approach is to try and keep it close enough that they could try to win late because they just I, I don't see this being a game where TCU can score like 40 plus points because I just don't think that their offense is good enough and their line is good enough. I mean, their line is better than Oregon State's or Rutgers, but it's still not. I mean, it's not a top 15 line and Sean Robinson's a very young quarterback who's really never seen a defense like this. So I, I'm guessing that they'll try to slow the game down and. Um, get get the ball to their their playmakers on the outside and try to take advantage of Ohio State's defensive backs. Getting those guys outside seems like their best strategy. Yeah, they're not going to be able to run up the middle. (laughs) Yeah, what we talked about last week, and even I think dating back to the Oregon State game, was if there's, I don't know if a weakness is the right term, but just a way to attack Ohio State, it's outside, and it's through the use of misdirection and screens and quick hitters, and I think that kind of fits TCU's style. We'll see if, if they're able to capitalize on that, but if they want to have success, I think that's that's the easiest way or the best way for them to do that because they're not going to be able to get you know anything, I think, inside with the ground game. And conversely for Ohio State, if they're able to play this game basically just sending those front four guys and constantly getting pressure, then it's hard to see how TCU has sustained offensive drives at all. Yeah, and looking at the um, at Bill Connolly's TCU preview, which if, if anybody listening is looking for a, a pretty in-depth uh, statistical preview of TCU, it's a good place to start. Um, looking at their line specifically, uh, they return 26 total starts on their line throughout the five starters, which is not good. <laughs> um, they lost four starters, three of which played all 14 games last season on their offensive line, including both tackles and a right guard. Um, they have uh, two players back who have any kind of real career starting experience. Um, it's just not a very strong line at this point. I, I think that that's kind of the, the main thing, and Ohio State can really take advantage of that. We, we've seen how good this defensive line is, and really the only, I wouldn't even say advantage, that TCU has when their offense is playing Ohio State's defense, but the only I think strength that TCU can play to is that speed that you mentioned. Um, a running back like Darius Anderson could be trouble if he gets to the outside. Um, you know, receivers like Kevontae Turpin, who we mentioned, uh, Jalen Rager, uh, Jalen Austin are all very fast and um, can can make plays. I think Ohio State's cornerbacks will probably have a pretty good day. 
um, because I don't I don't see a ton of route running talent with these guys, especially not with the offense that TCU runs. But I, I do think that TCU could probably pick up some yards and score some points with screens and jet sweeps and different uh, misdirection kind of plays because Ohio State has struggled with that so far this season. This is where we see just how good the linebackers are yeah. and how much that they've improved in the last two weeks. One thing we brought up last episode was Justin Hilliard and how he just looks like he kind of settles in the middle of that defense and is able to just really calm things down for them and keep things on track. And he's been a tackling machine so far, and he's made some really nice plays. We'll see how much time he gets in this game. We'll see how much tough Borland gets. It, it felt like he played less last week than he did against Oregon State, maybe to just get him ready for this game. But I think a lot of the defensive – I, not playmaking, not even success, but just a lot of the brains of the defense this week, it, it's going to be in that middle three and how those guys are able to defend what TCU is going to do on the outside, what they're going to do in the middle of the field. I feel like TCU's probably watched a lot of Oklahoma tape from last year to see how they were able to really confuse Ohio State's linebackers. And granted, it's a, a different group this year, but I just think that those principles – probably hold up with what Ohio State's linebackers want to do. So I, I think that a lot of the onus is going to fall on them this week to be disciplined and to just not get out of position in the middle of the field and give TCU easy 9-, 10-, 12-yard gains and just move the ball steadily down the field. Yeah, and I, I will say, you know, I would like to see a lot of Justin Hilliard in this game, but if there's a game where, <clears throat> you know, guys like Malik Harrison, Keandre Jones, Pete Warner, uh, Baron Browning, if there's a game where their athleticism is necessary, it's this one. Um, they, I'm not super confident in any of those names that I just said that they'll That's be able the to— worry. Yeah, that they'll be able to— track the ball um but baron browning is fast enough to keep up with pretty much any play i think that all four of those linebackers that are named are fast enough to keep up with pretty much any play um then it's it's certainly tricky that none of them seem to be quite ready i think pete warner's looked very good so far this season but um he's made mistakes as well malik harrison had a ton of trouble with oklahoma last year um Baron Browning has been good, not great, I don't think, uh, so far this season, and uh, we haven't seen a ton of Keandre Jones. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it if Ohio State takes the approach that a lot of Big Twelve defenses take, which is to play dime and nickel a lot, which would probably mean a lot of Sean Wade, um, who I don't know if yeah, you saw, baby. I don't know if you saw, but he happened to be named to the uh, the PFF College uh, Week Two Big Ten Team of the Week on defense. Um, he was the number one flex defensive back, which is um, we we've been telling you he he's very good. Sean Wade is very good. Um, so I, I think that five defensive back sets with two linebackers instead of three linebackers in the middle might be a worthwhile approach because TCU does a lot of four-wide stuff and um, having Sean Wade out there, even having you know Jeffrey Okuda, Sean Wade, Kendall Sheffield, um, Damon Arnett, obviously, and Jordan Fuller all in one package would be very, very beneficial against this offense. I think, I, I think we'll probably see a lot of that, and that could take some stress off of linebackers. TCU doesn't do a ton of stuff in the middle of the field, but I wouldn't be surprised if they try it just because of the the weakness with linebackers. And it, it'll certainly be uh, a test for these linebackers, and I really wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State just tries to avoid that entirely by taking them off the field. 
That wouldn't be a bad strategy. I think that. I think that's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, you get you get those extra guys out there, and you know, for some of the struggles that I think guys like Okuda and Kendall Sheffield have had, the more defensive backs out there, I think the better, because I for sure feel more comfortable with those guys than I do with two or three linebackers <laughs> yeah. on the field every single play. But flipping over to Ohio State's offense, for me, this this feels like a game that Dwayne Haskins really needs. And I'll explain that a little bit right before the Penn state game or a couple weeks before the Penn state game. And he's already played in an environment in Michigan on the road, but I think that was really just playing with house money. And he came in, you know, on the back end there in the third quarter and was just like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to go out there, make plays. And they came back, he played really well and they won, but this feels like the start of, or his first start in in a really big game in a huge environment in that stadium in Arlington uh, against another power five team. And I, I feel like that it's something whether Ohio state wins, loses or anything in between is going to benefit him leading up into that Penn state game. Yeah, for sure. This is the best defense that he will have faced as a starter. And that doesn't, I mean, that doesn't mean a ton with who they've played so far this season. Um, but in such a big environment and against such a good defense, TCU has some fantastic uh, players in their secondary. Um, they're not, <clears throat> they're not great with cornerbacks. I don't think, I think that their cornerbacks are decent at best, um, but they have some good safeties. Uh, linebacker Ty Summers is awesome. He, he's going to be very difficult for Ohio State to stop. Um, and their defensive front is very good. Um, guy like Ross Blacklock is very difficult to block. Six foot four, 329 pounds. He takes up a lot of space in the middle of the field. Um, so this will be a great test for Ohio State's offensive line and for Dwayne Haskins, obviously, to see if he can get the ball out quick enough to beat this defense. We, we've seen him do that a lot in the first two weeks where he's, he's throwing the ball very quickly and not really taking too much time. But I'm interested to see if he can do that with so much pressure in his face because I imagine the TC will probably blitz a lot. And I think that those blitzes are going to come right into the interior of the line. Michael Jordan has been really solid as a center so far for really not, not ever playing or practicing the position until I think he said like two weeks yeah. before the start of the season. So this is going to be his biggest test, and, and I think that TCU is – going to put him to the test and a lot of those you know a gap blitzes and, and bringing two guys and trying to confuse Ohio State's line I think we'll definitely see a couple breakdowns from the interior interior of the line just getting used to what TCU is doing and so that that would be my biggest worry is that TCU is just going to flood the interior of Ohio State's line and make them not even like physically try to overpower them but just based off of what they scheme and you know Gary Patterson is, is going to come up with some ideas and this is interesting too because Urban Meyer isn't going to be on the sideline for this one and we've seen Ohio State struggle with making adjustments throughout the game so if TCU is able to kind of punch them in the mouth and confuse them early I, I think watching Ryan Day watching Kevin Wilson and the rest of this staff come up with a game plan to counteract that will be an interesting ju juxtaposition from what we usually see with Urban Meyer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Malcolm Prigion and Thayer Munford are tested a lot in this game. Uh, I mentioned Ross Blacklock. I imagine that he'll be uh, Prigion's main uh, target for this game because I'm, I'm guessing the TCU will try to get that mismatch um, as much as possible, and that's not uh, really meant to be a slight 
on Prigione. It's just that Ross Blacklock is really good. Um, defensive end Ben Benogu. I, I hope that I'm saying that right. That's a hard name to say. Um, he'll probably going. He'll probably be going up against Thayer Munford uh, again. Gary Patterson really likes to take advantage of matchups like that and go after the more inexperienced lineman on the defense. I imagine that a guy like Jawan Johnson, who's an NIU transfer um, at linebacker, will probably be brought on a lot of blitzes, um, probably more so on the right side than the left side, um, just to to try and force Isaiah Prince to take, to take on two guys because they know Isaiah Prince is really the probably the best lineman on this line, save for maybe Michael Jordan. Um, so th- it'll probably be a... A, a much different look from what this Ohio State line has probably ever seen. Um, there are not a lot of defenses like TCU's in the Big Ten, and uh, I, you know we we mentioned Ohio State playing a lot of dime and nickel stuff in this game. That's pretty much all TCU does. Um, they they really they really stick to the five defensive backs to linebacker approach. And uh, Gary Patterson has kind of revolutionized the way defense is played in the Big Twelve with his four two five defense. So that'll certainly be, I think, something that Ohio State will have to to be on the lookout for, and I imagine that they're probably studying quite a bit this week because it's it's difficult to deal with. And um, <clears throat> TCU's defense is a, a real a real serious test for this offense, and I'm really excited to see what they look like. I think this is going to set up to be J.K. Dobbins' best day. I, I think he's he's going to have just switching to the to the running game and. And what they can bring, we've seen him and Mike Weber basically get an even distribution of carries, and I think that that changes this week. I think we're going to see a lot more J.K. Dobbins and getting him out into the open field, whether that's in the screen game, maybe in the slot, every once in a while, and obviously through just handing him the ball off. I feel like this is a big game for J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, I, this really isn't a game where. I think Ohio State will be running up the middle a ton just because TCU is really strong up the middle and they have a lot of talent in the middle of that defense. So that's really a game where a guy like J.K. Dobbins can thrive because I imagine that they're going to want um, someone a little bit more elusive. And that's not to say that Mike Weber isn't elusive because he's looked very good so far this season. But J.K. Dobbins is, I think, the quicker of the two backs would be fair to say. And That's former kick returner Mike Weber to you, pal. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't think that Mike Weber's straight downhill running approach would be as effective against this defense because TCU tackles really, really well. And I don't think Mike Weber's going to make a ton of guys miss. We saw him kind of try to do that against Rutgers and it didn't work super well. Um, so a guy who's a little bit slippy, slippery or um, more difficult to tackle like J.K. Dobbins would probably be beneficial for Ohio State especially because I think they're going to do a lot of outside running stuff and, and try to test D- TCU's um, a little bit more inexperienced defensive backfield. They certainly have talent back there, but um, if there's a group on this defense that I am that I think is a little bit weaker than the rest, it's probably the defensive backfield, which will mean um, a lot of kind of spread them out and then run to different gaps uh, approaches and, and kind of zone running rather than, uh, what Ohio State has been doing, which is pretty much just handing it off up the middle and assuming that the talent will win out. So um, it it could probably look 
a lot like what Ohio State's running game looks like against Michigan um, because this defense is is pretty similar to Michigan's in the way that they play and the way that their strengths are set up. So I, I think that the Michigan game and Michigan games in the past would be a pretty good um, a pretty good gauge for what the running game might look like here. And um, I think that J.K. Dobbins is probably best suited to handle that. So I imagine that we will see a lot of him. TCU's defense is not only much better but just smarter better tacklers in, in the middle and in they space don't make than, mistakes no yeah, yeah they, they're much better than both oregon state and rutgers were at all of those facets especially in short yardage and stopping athletes from you know taking a six yard gain and making it a 16 yard game and so that's why i think that we're going to see more consistent shots down the field and not just like we what we saw against rutger where there were the two to dixon and then the one to um to Terry McLaurin from from Tate Martell that were all touchdowns. I think you'll see Ohio State on their own 25 or on their own 30 take a shot down the field. And that's really something we haven't seen a lot. I I can't even remember a non-garbage time play yet this season where they've really taken a shot downfield in their own end or or at midfield that wasn't like I said those three plays that went for touchdowns so I think we'll see that a little more consistently this week too and if they're able to to hold up along the line and Haskins has time that may be where you know we we start to see okay this is truly what this offense is yeah I I think that you know this will certainly be a good teller for for what Ohio State's offense is you know going to look like this season um another thing to kind of look out for with this TCU defense and and something that I'm not entirely sure if it'll carry over from last year but last year this TCU defense gave up a lot of big plays um usually when they usually when they were scored on it was on a big play um they (sighs) When TCU makes mistakes, which is not often, they make some serious mistakes. <laughs> like, um, you know, like uh, Austin Mack, 50 yards down the field, no one within 20 yards of him kind of mistakes. So they, a lot of their breakdowns are uh, game plan based and, and kind of not as much a player making an individual error, but rather just a play call not necessarily being the right thing for that situation because Gary Patterson likes to be very aggressive and that can leave cornerbacks on islands or in the wrong place at times. Um, So I I think that this could be, you know, Ohio State fans have been clamoring for and we've been clamoring for Dwayne Haskins to kind of air it out a little bit just because we like the deep passes and it's fun to watch. Um, (laughs) So I, I think that that could be a main approach for this game is um not not necessarily quick hit uh big plays because tcu makes uh like you said they make really good tackles they don't miss tackles very often and i think it would be kind of difficult to to score on on slants in this game but i wouldn't be surprised if at all if ohio state calls a couple play actions that have some deep options and um Dwayne haskins is given the green light to to let it fly because this this TCU defense, if they're weak against anything, it's that um, they can make some serious mistakes, and especially in the passing game. So I, I think that this is a, a really good test to see if Dwayne Haskins can handle pressure, um, not just on the field, but you know, with a big game environment um, and uh, continue to make big throws and, and big plays like we saw in the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm guessing that a guy like Johnny Dixon will probably have a big game here. They'll, they'll probably be looking to, 
to get him down the field as a deep threat, which is wild to say about Johnny Dixon after watching him the last couple of years that he's a deep threat now. Um, but he seems pretty capable. I'm guessing that he'll have a big game. Um, Austin Mack will probably be a, a, a frequent target because he's got such sure hands. And um, I wouldn't hate to see some Benjamin Victor here. I'm not sure if we will because it doesn't seem like he's really earned the the confidence of the coaching staff quite yet. But he's a guy who could really have a big game against this defense because pretty much all he does is big plays. And um, he seems to have a very good connection with Dwayne Haskins when it comes to making those big plays. So that's, I think, the number one thing that I'm looking out for is that it might be kind of like the um, the 2014, I guess it was 20, yeah, it was 2014, the um, the Ohio State-Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game where Cardio Jones just kept throwing it like 80 yards and it was working. Um, TCU's defense is a lot like Wisconsin's. And uh, when Wisconsin makes mistakes, it's usually a big play. And I, I think that this could be a, a pretty similar approach and um, I'm hoping that Ohio State tries to take advantage of that speaking of things that haven't given the Ohio State coaching staff much confidence will they fumble a punt <laughs> I mean probably <laughs> the the chances are good it seems <laughs> our, our no returner strategy I think is the best the best option here pile up the yards hear me out Tate Martell punt returner <laughs> I listen I, <laughs> listen that is I think in the grand scheme of all the options we have available, just based off of the hits we've seen Tate Martell be able to take and get up from, I feel like Tate Martell can probably navigate his way in those short area spaces a little bit better than C.J. Saunders, and I'm sure he can catch too. Why not? Put him put him in that big that big game space. They put Ezekiel Elliott in yeah. pump returner. And that worked Virginia super Tech well. Game, and that worked really well. <laughs> so it's not like they haven't tried before. So what if, okay, we're, we're getting off, we're getting off uh, on a tangent here. Cause I just thought about this and I need to try it in like a video game now. Uh, when we're done recording this, what if they put Tate Martell back there and then Demario McCall behind him in like a pistol setup kind of look. And then Tate Martell caught it. And then he had the option to pitch it on the punt return. <laughs> Listen, the more we can do RPO speed options off punt, I think the better for college football as a whole. <laughs> I think that that would break my brain permanently. If Dwayne, if they put Tate Martell back there with Demario McCall and Tate Martell started returning a punt and then he pitched it, I think I'd turn my TV off. <laughs> I feel like that would break Pat Fitzgerald's brain. Yeah. Uh, of anybody, oh, that, would, that would break <laughs> Pat Fitzgerald's brain. Pat Fitzgerald, not a comrade of the podcast. No, here. we do not support Pat Fitzgerald on this podcast. I Listen, I totally maintain still that Pat Fitzgerald is just one of those people who, along with Scott Frost now, that I think if you met them in person, you would be like, huh, this guy kind of stinks. Hmm, not a big fan of this not a big fan of this fella. <laughs> no, I mean like like physically. Oh, like, yeah. Why does Pat Fitzgerald smell? Yeah, like, Fat Fitzgerald. Not bad not bad enough to like really ruin your day, but you would be like, yo, I met Pat Fitzgerald today and like he smelled like tuna fish. Yeah. This, I don't know. I don't understand why. This fella really likes putting salmon on crackers, I think. <laughs> that's all he smells like. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to make a definitive statement on the smell of Pat Fitzgerald. Um, but <laughs> we will be issuing a full pe press release um, when Ohio State next plays Northwestern, which is probably like 
2025 we'll definitely still be doing the podcast then so <laughs> it's it's not going to be in december based off of what we saw against duke no but god we will, no <laughs> we will make a definitive statement on a prediction for this weekend what what do you think happens um i think that it's probably close for a good portion of the game i, I think the tcu's defense is good enough to to hold it pretty tight um, I just don't think that their offense is, is going to be able to keep up with Ohio State's and Ohio State's depth, especially defensively, will eventually wear them out with the, the rotations that Ohio State can do on the defensive line. And um, I, I think it could look a lot like uh, the, the fourth quarter of the Ohio State-Penn State game last year did. I, I don't think Ohio State will have to do a comeback like that, but I do think the defense will be able to turn it up late and um, kind of shut Sean Robinson down and, and get the ball back for the offense a couple times. So um, close through three quarters, Ohio State pulls away in the fourth quarter and wins 45-31. Okay, I, I think that the high score, it definitely has the potential to be that type of high scoring, I guess, lack for a better term, Big 12 game. I, I get the same feeling from the start of this game as I did before the 2016 Oklahoma game where there was and there's not as much hype in this one as there there was for that game but I I just feel like Ohio State is just kind of on a different level from TCU right now and before the season I thought that this was a game that they could lose and now that we're here and we've kind of seen Dwayne Haskins this is a game where I, I think that they from the start are able to force TCU into mistakes and that's the last thing TCU can handle like if there's an early pick six in this game or an early fumble and Ohio State comes out and throws the ball deep and scores a touchdown. I think this one has potential to snowball. I, I don't think it's going to be a blood in the sense that you're like, wow, TCU looks like they don't even belong on the same field. They're bad. I, I think that this is just a game where Ohio State from the start is coming out. The run game's working. J.K. Dobbins has his best game so far this year, and, and Dwayne Haskins looks solid. And I, I think that this is one where they win like – 38-17 or like 41-20, to I think that they're going to put a beat down on them, and this will be one of the more impressive games overall we've seen from Ohio State in a couple of years. I, I think I could definitely see that, and I, I mean, at that point, I, I think I've mentioned on this podcast before that if Ohio State goes 3-0 and with Ryan Day as the head coach, I'm going to write an article about why he should be the head coach full-time just because I love people getting mad at me. <laughs> um, and I think that would definitely be some pretty good fuel for that fire. So rooting for that because I, I like writing articles that make people mad at me. So um, looking at the, the rest of the the weekend's slate, if you're ready to jump to that. Um, Absolutely. What, what games kind of stand out to you? We'll, we'll start with the, um, I, I guess it would be 9 a.m. for you, but the noon slot. Eastern time. What what games are you looking forward to this weekend? Florida State at Syracuse, yeah. baby. Eric I'm ready Dungy. for it. <laughs> Eric Dungy. I watched. Um, if y'all are just like hankering and have an addiction for watching college football, even during the week, and you like go on YouTube and watch these games, the ACC Digital Network cuts up almost every ACC game into like a 23 minute supercut. Hell yeah. Post it on their site on their YouTube channel. And I watched most of Syracuse's game against Wagner the other night. And I don't know that Syracuse is any good. I really felt alarmed that I was watching and I was like, Syracuse is only winning this game because they have more talent, which is like a super odd thing to say. Man, we're Buckeye fans. We know about that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And watching Florida State and reading about them and reading about some of their issues, 
I, I just do not think that they have it figured out, at least right now. I, I can't imagine that they'll play as bad as they have all season. But, man, at Syracuse, I think Syracuse kept it pretty close. Last year it was like a six-point game or something like that. And they have that offense. We saw them beat Clemson last year there. I think that Syracuse is going to beat Florida State in – the internet schadenfreude is going to be absolutely delightful. So that's what I'm looking for. Hawaii at Army is pretty, pretty tasty as well. Yeah, that's that's an underrated one. Uh, what do you think about Syracuse's uh, star receiver, Jamal Custis? Because I love him dearly. But this is what I was thinking. There is like, I don't know if there's a better period of wide receiver play that I've witnessed in recent college football history. There are a lot of really, really good yeah. guys. Preston Williams for CSU. Greg Dorch for Wake Forest. Cousins and Syracuse and there's just a talent like you can go anywhere and find talented receivers whether they're tall or short or speedsters or vertical leap guys there just seems to be like a plethora in college football right now and to have a guy like that against talented Florida State secondary players I think that's that's key if you want to win and grungy Eric Dungy man want to mm-hmm. see him make plays yeah, I, I think for the noon slot, I'm probably going to have Oklahoma-Iowa State on the main screen and Hawaii Army and, and Florida State-Syracuse probably on a second and third screen. Um, not a great noon slate. You Are got you Georgia not interested Te- in Rutgers-Kansas? Oh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever actually been interested in anything less. <laughs> I mean, like, maybe I'll hate watch it. I don't think I even have um, the channel that it's on, so... <laughs> Chris Ash's soul might leave his body if they lose to Kansas. If, if Rutgers beats Kansas, Chris Ash legally has to become the head coach at Kansas. <laughs> Chris Ash, retire, bitch. God. Chris Ash, the door at Ohio State's always open if you want to come back. This this podcast has hiring powers at Ohio State, and if Chris Ash wants to come back, we will hire him. Um, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh could be kind of interesting. Georgia Tech's offense is super fun. Uh, Pittsburgh is bad, but I mean, if you want to watch the option, that one's kind of interesting. Um, I don't really see. We're nothing if not enjoyers of bad football. Yeah, here. so you can watch that one. I think twelve thirty Eastern time. If you have uh, ESPN Extra, which I don't actually think that's a channel that anyone has. But um, moving on to the kind of the midday slot, there's one game here at the the three thirty. I guess there's two games here that really stand out to me as being interesting. Um, LSU at Auburn will be, I mean, that's going to be like 13-12 because it's a CBS um, SEC game in the middle of the day. And they, something about those, just like, it's just going to be an NFL game. But um, I'm really interested in Auburn. Um, LSU has a lot of skill position talent. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure if they actually do have a quarterback. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but uh, that, that should be... Uh, a really good defensive battle. Those defenses are awesome. Auburn is a lot of fun. Um, and then Boise State, Oklahoma State, I think is actually my game of the day because Boise State kicks ass. That team is so, so good. Um, and I'm so interested to see what they can do at, at Oklahoma State. Yeah, both of those games are going to be super fun. Boise State, I think, has a chance to really make a statement. and They should be a playoff team if they go undefeated. They're not going to be, but they should be. Well, th- this is, I think... For everything people wanted to talk about UCF last year, they did lack that that big win that you, you really have to have to get into that conversation. And I think Oklahoma State's been not even steady enough. They've been good enough to where if Boise State wins that game and, and 
possibly wins convincingly, which I, I think can happen, where mm-hmm. they're gonna people are gonna be like, okay, this is this is a thing, and Boise State kind of already has that credibility from years past, so I think that that can really work in their favor. Um, the other two lunch area three thirty games, I'm interested. You see, USF is going to carve up Illinois. Oh, They're God, just yeah. going to destroy <laughs> them, and it's going to be wonderful. And then the possibility of CSU beating Florida on the road and having – CSU could theoretically have losses where they just got obliterated against Hawaii and Colorado, and then their two wins be over Arkansas and Florida, which is a ra- reality I really want to exist in. When After the way Florida played against Kentucky – very possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think I trust Colorado State. I think they kind of stink. Um, no, they're not I good think, at all. Yeah, I think Florida might stink too. Uh, another, a couple other games in that time slot that could be underrated, kind of fun watches. Uh, Houston's really good. They're playing at Texas Tech. Uh, Texas Tech's probably gonna fire their head coach after this season because he's not very good at his job. Um, De'Aaron Ohio King. State quarterbacks coach Cliff Kingsbury. Hell yeah. Uh, De'Aaron King, Houston's quarterback, is uh, what we thought Khalil Tate was going to be this season. They they actually let him run. He's, he's really good. Um, Ed Oliver's the best player in all of college football. Um, Texas Tech has a freshman quarterback that, <laughs> that probably won't work very well. Um, and then also in that time slot, if you want to watch North Texas beat the shit out of Arkansas, uh, they're going to do that. <laughs> North Texas is um, good. North Texas is legitimately good. Mason finds a very, very good quarterback, and um, Seth Luttrell is an extremely interesting head coach, and Arkansas stinks. Um, so I, I think that those are kind of the games that I'm on the lookout for in the, the middle of the day. Um, I think SMU might kind of scare Michigan for a half. <laughs> That'll be like the, the oh shit game where at halftime it's like 21-17 SMU, and everyone's like, hey, um, Go check out Big Ten Network real quick, just for a second, and then Michigan wins by like thirty. Looking at the box score, and it's like, why is Jim Harbaugh having Karan Higdon throw the ball eighteen times <laughs> in the first half? <laughs> so that that one could be interesting. I think Michigan's gonna win that by several touchdowns, but um, could be a little weird at first. I'm I'm kind of bummed that the West Virginia North Carolina State game got canceled. Um, obviously, there's uh, plenty of good reasons for that, and uh, hopefully, everyone down there can stay safe during the the hurricane that's coming soon it sounds like um but moving to kind of the not quite the nightcap but the the evening slate of games um alabama ole miss is particularly interesting to me i'm not sure if it's actually going to be any kind of close because ole miss does not field a defense but jordan taamu and and aj brown will be probably one of the best best tests of Alabama's defense this season. They're awesome. That Ole Miss passing attack is very, very good. It seems like they can run now, too, which is uh, concerning. <laughs> um, but Ole Miss's offense is fantastic and will be a very good test for Alabama's defense, which means that Alabama's going to win by, like, 50. I feel like the big thing in that game, though, is just to see how many times Ole Miss is going to pass. Like, they could legitimately 80. throw the ball 80, 85 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Missouri Purdue. I want to say is interesting, but I don't think it will be because I'm not sure if Purdue is actually any good this year. We we thought they were going to be pretty good, but they're not. Um, Looking through the rest of the the night slate, it's kind of a slower 
night. Um, Ohio State TCU, obviously, we, we talked about the game quite a bit. Um, USC Texas, I think we talked about that on the recap podcast. On whichever team loses that is just going to be miserable. <laughs> I'm so here for the USC Texas game. This is my favorite game of the day. If there's one thing that I enjoy, it's the misery of others. And whoever <laughs> loses that game is going to be absolutely miserable. And for for both teams, I think that like this is one where a win doesn't really do you anything, especially because I, I would assume that it'll probably just be sloppy. I don't think either of these teams can like out-execute the other one to a blowout win. So it's just going to be like, oh, cool, Clay Hilton beat Texas and Tom Herman, who lost to Maryland. Or <laughs> for Texas, it'll be like, wow, Tom Herman finally won a game against somebody. We won by two, and Tim Beck decided to run Sam Ellinger 38 times again so nobody's even gonna be happy with a win i think in this one unless it's like a 30 point blowout that's the best result is when no one is happy <laughs> and everybody else that isn't a fan of them is going to win so I i'm all here for that that's like the exact opposite of the texas a&m clemson game where even though texas a&m lost they were like hell yeah we yeah. almost beat clemson <laughs> So it, it, it's funny that Texas and USC are like heading in the complete opposite direction where a five-point win is like, well, Texas won by five, but USC has a freshman quarterback, and I think he's like 17, um, and they might not actually be any good. So that, that one will be fun. I think Texas is probably going to win by like 30 just because, um, you know, things are very stupid uh, all the time. Uh, but I'll certainly, I think I'll have that one probably on a second screen while we try to focus on Ohio State TCU. Um, the nightcap's really fun. I, I think the nightcap is really, really good this week. It's probably the best Pac-12 after dark we've had yet. Um, Washington at Utah should be good. I think Washington's probably going to win that game by a couple possessions, but Utah's defense is really, really good. If Utah wins that game, they clinch the Pac-12 South. I think, <laughs> I think that that's like, not even theoretically. How like, dare if you they count Herm out? <laughs> if they win, they they literally clinch the Pac-12 South. Well, I, I think that their number one uh, contender is playing at 1030 Eastern, Arizona State at San Diego State. We got Herm in San Diego. He'll be asleep before that game starts <laughs> they're for sure losing that game I, there's I mean, no maybe. way there's <laughs> no way they're riding the high off of beating michigan state with herm edwards and not losing on the road to san diego state i think san diego state might kind of stink this year just from watching their first couple games they struggled against an fcs team uh last week and i don't know that one should be really interesting i'm not sure if i'm gonna say it'll be fun because i don't think either team really wants to score many points this year um but, but that could be another like 13 10 game and that's kind of a nice relaxing way to end the day um you got fresno state at ucla fresno state's gonna win that game <laughs> yeah uh ucla's bad they're bad bad they're not just like rebuilding bad they're like one or two wins bad they're they stink southern utah at arizona i don't Unless Arizona loses that game, I don't think that it's really worth watching. <laughs> Is it uncouth of me to say I feel like this hurricane was formed by God because UCF was going to go into North Carolina and just slaughter oh, the Tar Heels? <laughs> and, and, and God was just like, Mother Nature just like, fam, but let's, let's not. <laughs> Larry Fedora, I think Larry Fedora has taken up witchcraft to, to avoid the... I mean, unholy beatdown that UCF was going to put on uh, North Carolina in their own house. UCF, I think UCF would probably have won that game by like 70 points. I hope that that one gets rescheduled because I want to <laughs> see too. it. 
<laughs> I think I saw, um, speaking of games that got rescheduled, it looks like uh, Iowa State is going to play Incarnate War- Word in December for some reason. <laughs> Iowa State's going to play Incarnate Word on Friday and then play in Dallas in the Big 12 Championship <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> oh, my God. What if that actually happens? What if... <laughs> They schedule a, a makeup game because I don't think they had them on the schedule originally. I don't think that, that was the game that got canceled. It, they just Incarnate Word had an open week, and Iowa State decided that they wanted a twelfth game. Um, but that would be some genius level uh, athletic director getting in his own way <laughs> kind of thing. Listen, this is what the redshirt deal is for. You play all the third string guys Hell on yeah. Friday, play all the first string on Saturday. And then you lose to Incarnate Word <laughs> before the Big 12 championship game. Do you think that they're going to give Oklahoma any any sort of fight? Their defense is pretty good. Uh, Iowa State's defense is pretty good. Um, their offense is not very good. I feel bad saying that because I talked to uh, their quarterback, Kyle Kempt, at Big 12 Media Days, and he was very nice. Um, <laughs> I feel bad talking about how bad their offense is, um, but that offense is not any good and Oklahoma's defense is at least decent um I'm interested to see what Kyler Murray does against a good defense because he hasn't really played one yet but he's still very good at football and um it, it should be fun to to watch Oklahoma's offense against a pretty decent defense um Trey Sermon is the starting running back now with Rodney Anderson out for the season unfortunately um so that should be at least somewhat interesting. It's probably going to be a blowout, but I, I'm very intrigued by what I've seen from Oklahoma thus far, and I, I want to see that against a pretty good defense. So that should be at least useful for, for those purposes. So Iowa State was scheduled to play Sa- San Diego State. They were scheduled to play South Dakota State, and if Incarnate Word doesn't qualify for the FCS, FCS playoffs and Iowa State isn't playing for the Big 12 title game, then it, they will play on December 1st. So if Iowa State makes it, they'll just cancel out that game too. And on their on their path to the playoff, they will not have played an extra game. So healthy yeah. healthy going into the Final Four against Alabama in their eventual national championship. Yeah, for sure. Iowa State national champions. <laughs> Future Ohio State head coach, Matt Campbell. I would support that. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that this, yeah, I think this is a good place to end this is, it. This is a good one. I, I think we, we spent more time talking about the rest of the games than we did TCU, but it should be a fun matchup between Ohio State and TCU on Saturday night. We'll be back with a recap podcast after that game, talking about Ohio State, what we saw, some of our takeaways, and then really, I guess, the, the lead up into, what, is Tulane next? Yep. Tulane. That should be fun. Do we do we know what the uniform matchup is for this one yet? Is Ohio State wearing white? Are they wearing red? Um, for the CCU game? Yeah. I feel like they said they were going to announce new alternates, but it doesn't seem like they're going to do that at this point. Um, I, I have seen several places that Ohio State was going to wear new uniforms for this game, but I guess maybe not. My, if I had to guess, it would probably be the um, – the white, like the national championship and the playoff uniforms with the gray stripes, which I would be in support of because those uniforms are very good. The goat uniforms. If yeah. you disagree with that, that is a wrong opinion if you disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, those a lot are the of best times, uniforms. There are no wrong opinions when it comes to best Ohio State uniforms. If you don't pick that one, that is a wrong opinion, my friend. <laughs>
but we're yeah. gonna get we're gonna get out of here make sure to follow us on twitter at holy land pod you can follow me at dubsco you can follow patrick patrick underscore mayhorn follow the site at land grant 33 visit landgrantholyland.com for the write-up of this podcast and all of our other great content on the site subscribe to this show search hangout in the holy land leave a review leave better than the one dude did in december so we don't flame you seven months later when you're <laughs> hilariously wrong and uh go to soundcloud.com slash two stripes pod and follow the show as well but until next time for patrick mayhorn i'm colton denning and this has been the hangout in the holy land 